What's going on, everybody? Welcome and thank you for tuning in to another episode of Barangay Podcast Network. Uh, today on the show, we have Josh, a.k.a. Castillionaire, co-hosting, and our special guest today is Leo Sanchez. Uh, we're all going to talk about Pride Month as we are now on episode two of the Pride Month series. So we're going to talk about Pride. We're going to talk about um, talk about some history, talk about current events. We're going to talk about a lot of stuff. So I hope you enjoy. Peace. What's good, everybody? Today on the podcast, we have Josh making his like third or fourth or fifth appearance on the show, and we have a special guest calling in from Long Island. Hey Long guys, Island. please hey don't guys. do that. <laughs> <laughs> we have um, Leo Sanchez. Leo, say what's up. Hey guys, my name is Leo Leoder for Long. Um, yeah, it's, it's cool being here. Thank you. Yeah, for sure. Thanks for coming on. So today we're going to talk about we're going to be continuing the Pride Month series. And we wanted to have Leo on because he's done a lot of work, a lot of very well-educated work for your thesis, for example, and, you know, in, in terms of pride and, and self-awareness and self-care and whatnot. And, and yeah, I just want to reflect on all of that today on the episode. So, Leo, tell the people a little about you. Thanks. Um, so, I am a multidisciplinary designer and photographer based in New York. Um, and in the past years, a lot of my work has been focused on my queerness, my gender, my identity. And then with my project Viral for my senior thesis, uh, I had Dom and Josh on, which we talked about the intersections between gender, sexuality, and our Filipino culture. So that's what I'm sort of like focusing on moving forward and present. Right. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. Um, can I ask, how did you... How did you come up with your thesis and and how did the whole execution of it go down? Oh shit. Okay, that's like a, a whirlwind. Um, <laughs> no, it doesn't, doesn't have to be a long, long no, answer. No, 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 it's all good. Um, senior year, I just graduated Parsons. Um, so for our senior year with a graphic design course, uh, we had to sort of be like the art director for the project. Um, right. And the project sort of started off with just focusing on my Filipino-ness and like the Barang Tagalog. And then the first semester, we're sort of intensifying that research and development. Um, and then it sort of evolved into exploring masculinity and gender and sexuality in context to our culture. Um, Beautiful. And so it was a lot of iterations. Uh, a preliminary exploration was like me talking to my dad about it. Um, and then it sort of evolved into having nine Philippinex individuals of all differing genders and sexualities being on the project and talking about it. Yeah. Beautiful. Beautiful. It's, um, it's been a bitch though. It's been a fight. It's, it's been like, it's been like a one man team sort of deal, but it, yeah. it was a great learning experience. Um, and I see it like evolving sooner or later. What do you mean? It's been, is it, is it not done yet? So I didn't even get to make the book. Is that like uh, all, all the all the stuff that I've been posting about have all been like mock-ups. So I've been like stitching together right. books because of COVID and fucking everything up. It was mm -hmm. a lot of printers and like studios were like closing down and then upping rates. Um, so understandable. I, yeah, I, guess. I didn't really get to um, get the book done. But like reflecting on like everything that's been happening now, as we all know. Um, I'm sort of thinking of ways to like translate that in different mediums and stuff. It's been cool. How how did you go about finding the people who were involved in your project? Oh my gosh! Well, like I wanted to ask, like, was... how did Josh, me, and I, Paolo was in it as well? Was there yeah, anybody else from the so, group? Barangay has always been on my radar. Like I've always been like seeing your shit, and it's been amazing seeing like. So I think I talked to you guys about it, um, but. I was never really in touch with like my culture at all before I want to say like sophomore year of college, like two years ago, three years ago. Okay. Um, and then, uh, cause most of my work was like focusing on my queerness. Right. So a lot of my, uh, like Filipino ness was just coming through like stereotypical, like foods and like the tabo and like, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, like stuff that like my parents like grew up like, like taught me and grew and grew up with. Um, 
but it was never really connected to like my arts and like my creations um so i saw you guys making shit on my feed because one of my friends uh i think like did some photo meets with you um i was like that yeah who's this uh uh, do you guys know ifat nur yeah yeah so he um <laughs> nyu homie yeah, he w- we went to the same high school um oh shit yeah so it was it was cool and i was like oh my god these guys look filipino as fuck um, <laughs> and then I, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so then uh that's how i got into barangay boys and i've just been like seeing what you guys been making um so i thought it would be cool to have you guys on um seeing your perspectives i think you guys all do some like pretty different shit and like are in different levels and of like the spectrum. Um, right. So yeah, had you you three on there. Shout out to Paolo. Yeah, shout out to Paolo as well. Shout out to Paolo as well. Josh, how how was your experience getting getting interviewed and shot for something outside of our group? Yeah. Outside of our group. <laughs> so um, it was it was an amazing experience actually. Uh, we, I personally um, have thought a lot about these topics myself, okay. but I haven't had you know, a chance to kind of explore it through the realm of conversation with someone else. I've always just been in, like, I think I took a class on, like, uh, how masculinity works with queer theory and, like, how uh, gender... One theory I learned about was, like, how gender is a performance. Now it's so, like, tightly woven into, like, the social fabric. And the same thing with culture. So, like, as people, we constantly produce those representations of like gender and culture so when uh leo hit me up for the project and i was i was very down (laughs) and like like he uh, like he said there's so many different productions of what a filipinx person man woman folk is right right and so his exploration of it he explored he explores it in no way I've seen before. And so I think it's really important to have that conversation about, you know, different productions of, you know, gender, sexuality, and how that interplays with our Filipino our experience of Filipino culture. And so he's the only guy doing it right, right. now. Right. No, right. That, that's I and, totally agree. That was that was I kind totally of the, the was, immediate kind of the... takeaway that I had when when Leo approached me. I was like, yeah, I've never seen anybody do this before. Uh, like either here or in New York, I hadn't really seen anybody explore it from this perspective before. So for me, especially seeing somebody coming from New York and wanting to meet me here in Manila, I was like, OK, yeah, this is really cool. This is good. I'm happy about this. <laughs> I, I, I was like, damn, I'm just going to hit up Dom and like whatever. Um, but. <laughs> No, I think it was, that's exactly what was the catalyst of me making it. It's like, I've, I've never really seen that conversation take place on like a scale of like a book or a photo or like a design project um, in something that's like digestible and in an editorial way. Um, but it was a fucking learning experience for me too. It was a huge learning experience with me too. Um, all of you guys taught me some crazy shit. When you when you say it was a learning learning experience, is it a learning experience in in what you actually aim to to get out of your thesis? Like, like yeah, no, for sure. Uh, the whole purpose of this was it was like a personal project, mostly a personal mm-hmm. project in like creating a space where we can have conversations about these topics and learn more about myself because I didn't, I never like explored that side of me, right. Um, and there were like historical, colonial, um, trans like thinking in Filipino culture that I literally did not fucking know. Yeah. And it was yeah. such like an enlightening experience to like hear about these things from people's mouths and not read it through like an, a scarly book. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It just fucking like shocked me. Yeah. No, absolutely. There really is so much to learn. Like I, I was. I was researching earlier for this podcast and like I had no idea that like trans roots in the Philippines go back to the indigenous culture to like the 13th, 14th century. (laughs) Like, like, I I don't know. 
I don't know if I've ever really even thought about the Philippines in the 13th or 14th century, you know what I mean? Dude, so. like, seriously, like, the uh, Ryan Liu, who's on the project, he was talking to me about the Babylon. Yeah, um, exactly. Who, yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Oh, yes. who were, like, yeah. spiritual yeah. leaders cool. in pre-colonial Filipino culture, um, who are mostly women, but some were men who dressed up as women and were very effeminate. And then they were seen as powerful. Like they were seen as like these healers and these leaders and these warriors. And yeah. then when fucking white people came in, they were like, no, 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 no. That's how like the binary sort of happened. And then I even, I even like, he told me about like how Tagalog words too, like Tagalog, the Tagalog language isn't necessarily like gendered, you know, right. like yeah, yeah, yeah. Shia or um, Kanya or like Asawa are like nouns that yeah. are like gender neutral um yeah but dude i didn't fucking think about that shit it was insane it's yeah insane. It, it's really so much to learn and you know i feel like i could read for for days and days on on kind of everything filipino to be honest because yeah. there there is so much that doesn't really get taught to anybody if you think about it yeah, for sure that, that's kind of sad it's kind of sad but yeah uh moving on Moving on, let's talk about Pride Month. I want to ask you both what does what does Pride Month mean to you? Let's start with you, Josh. Yeah. So, in this time of like a lot of political social upheaval, uh, being a New Yorker, New York has uh, New York is the place where you know a lot of a lot of world world like world forming change happens. And so, you know, with stuff like Stonewall in the 70s, where they raided Stonewall Inn, which is a popular, very historic uh, gay bar in like Greenwich mm-hmm. Village. And, you know, I was doing my research, I was reading back then that, you know, stuff like this Stonewall Inn raid wasn't really unusual in New York or many other American cities. Yeah. And so, like, back then, uh, New York had this, like, public morals division, which enforced laws for gambling, prostitution, and even, like, homosexuality. And so cops would, you know, openly discriminate against uh, gay people. And so, you know, on this particular evening of the Stonewall Inn, they, the bar patrons fought back and... I, I, I just read that um, someone threw. Yeah, no, it's 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 amazing. Like someone said, I got my civil rights, and then threw a shot glass into a mirror, and it, that is known as the, the shot glass that was heard around the world. And so you know, all the patrons just joined in on a fight. Uh, people from neighboring bars just joined in, and then you know the riots ensued. Hundreds of people resisted arrest fought against police suppression, which is something that we're still doing today. And so, like, pride is very much steeped into kind of militant action, kind of political upheaval, and, you know, just rebelling against the men. True. For sure. And so, yeah, New York is is a very important piece in that. Exactly. And that makes me proud as a New Yorker. Exactly. I mean, like, we're talking about, like, before the seventies, homosexuality be like being considered a mental illness that can be like cured or whatever through like violence and shock therapy, um, and, and like, people still people think that, think by that. the way. No, f- yeah, no, for sure, for sure. <laughs> um, and like during this time, also like the civil rights movement was happening, anti-Vietnam War was happening, um, so there was a lot of fucking like civil rights movements going on during this like period of the twentieth century, right? Um, so coming from that, I, like, people would, like, be, um, congregating in, like, these underground spaces, um, one being the Stonewall on, like, in, like, West Village, um, and Josh was totally right with the Stonewall riots becoming, like, a source of rebellion, um, led by queer and trans black and brown lives. I think that's, like, a huge thing that's sort of being, like, sidelined um is that these people were like the vo- the voice of our movement like without them there's no pride um 
but like to me like pride's like it's not asking for acceptance or like tolerance it's like demanding that respect so yeah lancer and ali on the pod that just came out earlier uh lancer was like for me it's like it's time to show off <laughs> no for sure it, it's like it's literally fucking like marching from like west village to like central park every like sunday and being like this is who i am like we're gonna fucking take all the streets like you're gonna like it or not like i'm yep. gonna live my fucking life and sadly that's not happening right now but we're finding ways yeah to voice it yeah i i know it's that's the sad thing like it's so hard to celebrate right now. No, for with, sure. With everything going on, no matter where you are so. in the world. Yeah, it's so difficult to celebrate. But, I mean, Pride Month last year, what were the numbers I saw? Pride, Pride, The Pride Parade in New York had, what, 5 million like, people? Yeah, dude, that was the 50th anniversary of Stonewall. So it was yeah, a big exactly. fucking deal. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, 5 million people. I know my brother, my brother goes every every year him and his wife always go they love it no matter where they are in america like I, I remember they used to live in seattle they went to the pride parade there they went to it in new york when they were living in jersey city now they live in alabama so i don't know if there's going to be any pride parades in uh, alabama <laughs> now that's fucking tea yeah no but that, no it's fucking amazing it's just like people out here dancing having a good time uh sexual liberation gender liberation it's it's mm -hmm. a fucking vibe have you guys been yeah i yeah. believe i i have i have yeah been. i maybe believe i went it's amazing yeah, maybe my freshman year of college it was either freshman or sophomore year of college i went in new york yeah but that's four or five six years ago now damn still every it's, it's everything it's everything <laughs> yeah it is no it really is and it's important you know a lot of people you know the difference about it is that it's not like it is a protest in 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 execution, right? But it's more of a parade than it is a protest. You know, mm -hmm. it's more it's more like it's more like the Thanksgiving parade, the Halloween parade, where it's really organized and and fluid, and and you know, people are enjoying themselves, and they have like everything is properly organized as if it's a show. You know, where it's very presented, it's presented very well, and I think f personally that means that people who aren't even involved in it can still pass by or just see it from their window or whatever and be like okay this is amazing you know what i mean no for sure i think yeah. it's like also like that teetering balance of like we we want to pay homage to like the violent rebellion but also like celebrating the 50 years of progress that we had right, um right. so i think it, it's a beautiful balance yeah totally totally um josh have you oh you did say you went to the parades right yeah, there's um, there's uh, I mean, fifty years, and we're still kind of continuously developing the situation of you know equality f for everyone, and so like th with the um, there was a pride march in I think Ateneo de, de Manila. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think yeah, recently, yeah. Yeah. To, uh, last year. And, you know, there was a lot of, a lot of blowback against that as well. Yeah. And so it's, yeah. it's important to think that, you know, we've, we've come very far, but, you know, we can't let up. Yeah. Uh, I've read in my research, there was a pretty controversial reaction from religious groups all around Manila. And one, one, or, one organization called the Couples for Christ Foundation for Family and Life uh, here's what they had to say about it. So in a statement released on June 19, 2019, they said genders are social constructs. Oh. These have no basis in nature and reality. The LGBT pride message and its celebration of homosexuality are contrary to the Catholic faith and thus injurious to the faithful, especially the young. And so, Damn, I thought that was going to be a good like, thing. But they, 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 no, to, to, no, you had yeah, me in the no, first half. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I was going to be like... Oh. Really had me I, in the first I half. I thought they oh, were making shit. a point. I was very, I was thoroughly confused when I was reading this. But yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's... It, it still yeah. shows. It does. It does. It's, it's very confusing here, to be honest. Like, um, I don't think either of you got to meet Angel. Josh, did you meet my old roommate, Angel? 
Oh, yes, I yeah. do. Yeah. Um, so my previous roommate last year, throughout the year, was was gay, and he's from the UK. He he performed at the, what was it? The They do a Pride Festival here in Manila. He perform. He's a singer songwriter. He performed at the Pride Festival. You know, like I, I love Angel forever, and you know, it's so confusing because gay culture is so prominent here in the Philippines. Like really, really prominent. Really, really prominent. And I, I was reading statistics earlier, and seventy something like seventy five percent of Filipinos fully support gay rights. Like absolutely. But then that other twenty five percent. They're really fighting the fight. You know, they're really fighting the wrong fight. They're clearly the minority in the situation, but they're still fighting, you know. And it's so confusing. It's so confusing because pride parades have been going on here for almost 25 years. Um, they've been trying to pass bills in in Congress for just general gay rights and, and anti-discrimination laws and things like that for the last 20, 25 years. And progress still has not been made when there's twelve something like 12 to 15 million LGBTQ Filipinos in the country. And it, it's such a confusing thing, yeah, you know. It, it's, it is confusing because it's like, obviously the, the country is bound to like church right it's bound to religion um I, I don't know the percentage but i believe most of the most of the country is of like catholic or christian faith yeah, um, yeah. and sadly in the bible some people interpret it as like homosexuality being a sin now like going back to like you saying 75 percent of uh the country supports gay rights um it's crazy because like I see, I see like gay and lesbian and just the entire spectrum being presented in Filipino media so well mm-hmm. and so visible, um, and even like walking down the streets of like Batangas, like I see I see people being proud of like showing who they are. Yeah, yeah. the right the like the at the federal level is not matching up with me. I, I don't really hear about like the aspect of marriage or the aspect of like um tra- uh trans um trans like hormones being like uh accessible um yeah yeah it's it's weird i don't know how to explain it yeah it's it's very strange you know i i was to be honest far more exposed to the gay community of the philippines than i expected to be because of my roommate you know we did a lot of stuff together and i you know i got more into it than than i ever thought i would and just seeing the amount of, of pride and and confidence that these people have in themselves, it's a beautiful thing. But then when you think about the government where they are not pushing anything to, to benefit these people. And yeah, it's, it's really difficult. But I mean, we have to continue to be thankful for the progress that we've made, both here and in, in America. But it's still not enough. You know, there's there still is no civil marriage for for uh, gay relationships here in the Philippines. There still is. I read earlier that if you're a single homosexual person, you're allowed to adopt a child. But if you're in a homosexual couple, you are not allowed to adopt children. I was like, um, how the how the fuck does the, that make any sense? No, exactly. Like what? I feel like they're just trying to find like loopholes in this situation yeah. to like present itself as progressive. <laughs> But still, no. But I think I think the Philippines just needs an uprising, dude. I think it needs the the LGBTQ plus community needs to um, fight back, and I think we're seeing that with the junk terror bill um, yeah. and activism yeah. happening in the country. And it's sort of the past few weeks have just been like unveiling a situation that's already been present. Um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, Josh, do you have any inputs on on the progress that's been made in America? Like how how do you see it from your perspective yeah, as you, you know as a as a cis I can male. speak from uh I can speak from the service Oh yeah, for sure. kind of perspective. Oh, yeah, sure. yeah, because there's been a lot of legislation in the past 5 years on you know policing trans trans bodies in the service. So like I'm I'm not sure about the particular year, but I know it was 
um, this current administration that they that there were several pieces of legislation introduced to you know ban transgender military service. Uh, but there has been a lot of pushback uh, in you know ways of legislation against that. And so, you know, in 2019, there was multiple bills of legislation to prohibit the military from discharging service members or rejecting recruits because of gender identity. And right now, the current policy allows service members who received the diagnosis of gender dysphoria prior to April 2019 to continue to serve in their preferred gender and any currently serving troops diagnosed after that date must serve according to their sex uh, assigned at birth and are currently prohibited from seeking transition-related care. Uh, but right now, with the political upheaval in uh, throughout the country, we're seeing a lot more marginalized voices being put at the forefront of necessary conversations and discourse. Yes. And so... Yeah. There, there's been a lot of pushback on the side of service members. Uh, I was reading up. Uh, this person called, this officer, active duty lieutenant commander in the Navy, Blake Dremen, uh, who's also part of an LGBTQ military group, uh, they, they said that, you know, without a doubt, stuff like gender expression shouldn't really... Don't doesn't really impede on you know mission readiness like s stuff like that doesn't impede on unit cohesion. Yeah, I don't see why it would. As long as I don't see why it would. Yeah, no, and so you know there we got to dispel the cloud of suspicion on whether these people are fit to serve because you know according to the latest memo from the Pentagon uh, that transgender individuals can seek waivers to be able to enlist or serve. In accordance with their gender identity, but you know it. It sucks when the pro the waiver process is complicated, and you gotta obtain different sets of papers just to, you know, be who you are. And so there there have been a lot of active service members speaking about the consequences of this, and you know what question I've been asking uh, in my mind, and other service members have been asking is like what. What's the course of action from here? Yeah. And so, I don't it's a... Uh, right now, I think the Army... No, not, not the Army, but the, the Air Force just named a new chief of staff. And he, he is the first black chief of a U.S. military service. Nice. And so he has definitely made history with that... Uh, with Senate unanimous, unanimously voting him in as a four-star general. Beautiful. And so Beautiful. he posted this video on Twitter. And like a lot of a lot of important conversations are being had on you know social media, even among the military, which is insane to me. But he this guy talked about the general talked about having to navigate two worlds, one of race and of service. And, you know, how he was often singled out consciously, unconsciously because of the color of his skin. And relating that back, he talked about appreciating the value of different perspectives, the value of diversity and inclusion. And, you know, as a leader, having the wisdom and knowledge to lead in tough times like these. And so we got to think about, like, participating and listening to necessary conversations, even if you're not from those marginalized communities right. on racism, right. like sexism, diversity and inclusion. Yeah. And I, I think he left us, he left me on the note of we've got to be brutally honest in these conversations yeah. as an ally. Yeah. And take the sure. time to listen and learn, and, you know, amplify the voices that need to be heard. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Yeah. I think a lot of people just have a lack of understanding and aren't willing to listen you know what I mean? And aren't mm -hmm. willing to accept difference or accept change um, just because they're so fixated on like their old ways. And especially with um, the military, um, 
dude, that's that's like a right. Like if you want to go, you should be able to fulfill your duty. You know? Yeah, like if you really want to serve the country, like don't you why? think the country should be like, yeah? It's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's incredible how how people still think this way but no for sure we need fucking we need change in 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 areas like that and like putting people in that will facilitate that change right right uh conversations conversations everywhere yeah yeah uh leo i want to ask you like what would you say it means to be a good ally what i think a good ally to me, in my experience, is someone who is willing to, again, listen. Not necessarily input uh, their opinions on things too much and really mm-hmm. take the time to learn and understand and research um, what it means to be me or them or you, you know? Yeah. Um, I think a lot of people in this country that we're seeing right now are... Uh, are lacking empathy and are lacking respect um, with our fellow with our fellow people around. And I think being a good ally is um, sticking to our side and trying to facilitate and fight for our civil rights. Um, yeah. But yeah. I think I think when I think allies sort of when I get iffy on allies, it's when they start. Um, fighting our fight too it's almost like not letting not sort of watering down our voices in in search to like amplify their own voice does that make sense sense? yeah yeah like centering the conversation right right. yeah i think that that loses loses that ally factor but but yeah makes sense i have another question um what do you guys what do you guys think of the role of education in all this dude it's in education is key education is is the key to unlocking everything you know but what that takes what that means is that the educational system has to reform absolutely the curriculum needs to be reformed so that people can understand you know i had these conversations on the black lives matter podcast we did and it's still the same here. It's, it's the education system needs to reform and, and start to teach people the right thing. You know, like they, they might not always teach the wrong thing, but they're not teaching the right thing well enough. You know what I mean? They'll just glance over it and move on. But there are huge conversations to be had and it should start in the education system. Like, obviously, we have those options when we get to college, when we get to that level that's where we start to have those options. But from five years old to 18 years old, where we're already in school, why can't we start to learn these things at, at a young age? You know, maybe not five, maybe not six, but like 13, you know, why not at that point? Like at that point, we've already gone through, at least in America, we've already gone through sex education, right? Like that happens at like, I don't know, 10, 11, 12 years old, I think. I don't really remember. Puberty yeah, age. something like that. We ha- we go through sex ed and why can't it be included in sex ed for sure shouldn't it be no exactly i think like even i was like reflecting back on like high school and middle school and there was like zero like i'm talking about zero mention of all the shit that i've been learning on my own yeah of course yeah yeah. and it's i think the system just needs to be more inclusive of these uh different identities um especially the lgbtq um so especially community, yeah. <laughs> especially um i had to fucking learn that shit by watching people on tv and like going on the internet and finding out who my people are which i which the education system should be putting forth to me already right exactly um, it should be provided to you and for other people to be allies like again yes this is like the root of the problem yeah yeah absolutely while we're on the topic I wanted to ask you guys, because this is not something that I've ever really looked into. 
I, I don't, I mean, I understand it, but I, I don't have a full grasp on it. Like, what do we identify as, as individuals here in this group? If I'm a, I'm a straight man. So then is, is there a term for that? You are straight cis. Right. Man. That's what, that's what I thought. Yeah. That's what I thought. Right. Okay. Okay. Like I identify as a queer cis man. Or okay. Gay cis man. Right. Because yeah. cis is gender orientation. Yeah. Correct? So it's it's mostly like the binary. <clears throat> so if you are biologically male and you identify as male, you are cis. If you're bi- okay, okay. biologically female, and you identify as female, you are cis. Right. Okay. Yeah. Right. And there's a there's a difference between uh, gender and biological sure. sex. For sure. Yeah. When there are disconnects with that, we have gender dysphoria. For sure. Gender yeah, dysphoria. Sure. Uh, which is when... Which is when the biological sex... Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Biological sex doesn't uh, match or doesn't doesn't line up. With your... I'm not sure of the terminology your, on this. With your... Per, your soul and your... your perceived? Right. Yeah. yeah. Your, your, your inner. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. All right. That's good. Good to clarify. Good to clarify. I'm happy we did that. And I'm, I'm sure that there are people listening to this who also had the same question as me. So, um, yeah. Um, shit, where to next? Where to next? Let me refer back to my notes. You guys have anything you want to talk about? I'm going to leave the floor to you guys. <laughs> all right. All good. All good. All right. Um, let's, let's go back to the to being good allies. But then also, um, like, Leo, for you, for example, how, how open are you about your identity? Like, how, how much do you present it to people and how much do you tell people? So the coming out story part of the... No, not the necessarily. Podcast. It doesn't, it doesn't <laughs> no, have to be the coming out story. No, no, but I mean, sure. like, no, I totally like do it. you tell your story to people so that you can, <laughs> yeah. you can kind of inform and educate people who, who may not be aware and, and, and open, open-minded? Yeah, for sure. um, so I, I figured out I was gay when Jesse McCartney came on the scene. <laughs> uh, <laughs> That's awesome. Oh, and, uh, I love it. I love it. You know, my mom went to Target, got a few albums. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, so I, I knew that since elementary school, didn't really know how to put a, not that we should, but I didn't know how to put a label to that. And I didn't really know what that meant. Um, right. And then Zac Efron came on the scene and I was like, there's a pattern going on here. <laughs> um, um, but yeah, so I've, I've known internally for a very long time. Um, and then I didn't really tell anyone until I want to say freshman year of high school. Okay. Freshman year of high school, I came out to my sister and a couple of friends, um, a couple of ex-friends at the time. Um, oh. But... Um, and then that sort of blossomed into everyone in high school knowing. Um, I actually yeah. came out as bi first. Okay. Because I thought, I thought that would have been like, it's not really crazy, you know? Uh, <laughs> so, yeah. But um, yeah. And then I started being more true to myself, started talking, talking it out, saying I'm gay, I'm queer. Um, and then, so the situation with my parents is kind of weird. So they, I haven't formally came out to them, to okay, like okay. other family members, but it's like they fucking know, and they, it's like they they mention it all the time. It's just like this unspoken thing that they acknowledge and they know, but won't talk about it. And I don't okay. know if that's a Filipino thing. I don't know. Like I'm not sure where that it, where that falls, but um, but yeah. Now I'm like out and proud. I say it everywhere. Um, if my parents were to ask or family were to ask, I'd say it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm just trying to do my best to inform. Inform. Let that inform my work now, because I feel like I have a lot of making up to do internally, for like keeping that in for so long. But mm-hmm. yeah. So what what was it like as a teenager to have to have those conversations? Because like um, the previous episode, Lancer and Ali, for them it wasn't until like 20 years old mm, conversations with family or yeah yeah yeah. oh conversation yeah, um 
when did that happen? When did that happen? I mean, it always, it always, um, it was always built into like my dad asking me like, so when are you gonna have a wife? When are you gonna have kids? Wait, does when he still? Gonna... Uh no, no, no. He doesn't ask oh. that that much. No. Oh. Um, but that's how it started, and then I'd be like, no, I don't think that's for me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's my gig. Um, but and then I think it, it like started being like me talking about it. Um, I, I have no clue how it even like derived from. It just sort of just happened. It just sort of, I think at one point in my life, I was like, I'm tired of living in secret. I went to Pride, I think 2015, 2014. And then a couple of like my extended family were like, why did you go there? Why are you posting on social media? Why are you doing this? I was like, uh, I don't care. Like, and I blocked them. And then I think <laughs> at that, like around that, around that point, it was more me being like unapologetically me and just, yeah. Like, yeah. you know? Uh, how um, old were you at the time? Oh, dude, what, what was that? Six uh, years old. It's like tw- like fifteen, sixteen, something like that. Okay, so are you guys the same age? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're I'm twenty one. Yeah. Yeah. Class of twenty twenty. Yeah. I'm twenty one. All right, word, 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 word. Yeah. So you were you were in high school when that happened? Yeah, I think. Yeah, mm. I think. Mm. Damn. Well, I, I just want to ask how how in college has um your your sense of identity changed now how is um, oh good that question kind of informed you right exponentially. now exponentially um so yeah i'm in long island now as dom mentioned <laughs> um, strong island the, as they say exactly <laughs> the the school here is predominantly white um and cis and het as i like perceived it to be so me being gay was never really a topic of discussion um like i I didn't really find a community here except for like my other gay friend um and a couple of uh straight cishet female allies um and so like the topic of like my identity never really blossomed it was more so like throwing out like these verbiage like slay hey hunty like that. <laughs> it, it, it didn't really go to the extent of like me talking about my identity and like being so into it um, okay and then i went to parsons and that fucking threw me in a loop and i was like these people are just living their best lives and, oh like, yeah we're talking, absolutely we're talking about and this this story isn't like like unique to me like these are people that come from like mid mid uh, middle america and like can't can't express themselves freely and then they come to New York and then like they're suddenly liberated and I felt like that happened to me and having having an education system where it facilitated like progressiveness and it let you talk about these things in a safe space um, and in a judgment-free zone and you can wear whatever you want to class and you can be who you want and support what you want um, Going into college like literally changed my life. I don't need to be a fucking dramatic bitch, but oh it, yeah, oh yeah, it 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 opened my my eyes and my heart to a lot of things that I didn't see in high school about yeah. myself and others. You know, definitely. Me too. Like uh, I was only in college for two years, and um, Leo, I don't know if you know this, but I know Josh knows this. I grew up in New Jersey in a very white community, and um, when I moved to New York City for to go to Hunter College. I totally agree. I had the same experience where, you know, I finally felt like, okay, this is a place where you can actually express yourself. You know, I don't know if that's the same experience that people have in other college campuses outside of New York City, because I don't really know what those are like. But <laughs> at least in New York City for us, no. like... Short answer, no. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I can imagine. Yeah. I can imagine. I've, I've never really been, but I can imagine that's the way it is. But when you go to school in New York City, it's like anything goes literally fucking anything goes be who the fuck you want to be this is new york city it's you know nothing matters anymore for sure and that's why i'm never moving i'm never moving out of here Um, (laughs) i said the same thing (laughs) (laughs) here we are now (laughs) but no for sure it is the hub of everything everything change it's it's incredible yeah I couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. 
Guys, time is flying on this podcast. We're already at 45 minutes. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Yeah, so um, I think we've covered a lot of topics on 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 Pride and whatnot from from Manila to New York. Uh, Leo, let's talk more about you and your your work and how you kind of found yourself in your work. Like, uh, how soon did you know that you wanted to be a multimedia artist and a photographer? When did you get started? Oh, for sure. Um, ooh, I think so. I wanted to be a nurse. I wanted Whoa. to be a nurse. Yeah, I wanted to be, so I wanted to be a nurse. Yeah. Drop the bomb. In high school. Yeah, and I think it was mo- mostly due to parents wanting me to be in that. And I was, I was ready. I was willing to accept it. I was willing to be like, "Hey, I'll do nursing school, and then afterwards, I'm going to go to art school." Yeah. Um, and that was my my like experiences in high school. Right, like I had to teach myself who I was mm-hmm. because it wasn't being taught to me. So a lot of it was absorbing all of this like multimedia watching TV, watching films, reading, living life. Um, and I didn't really know where to put myself in a box. Like doing like APR and shit, like I was just doing everything. I got into like a film photography class, really fucked with it. Now I hate Dope. film. It's, <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot. But I, I was, uh, what I do love about my high school is that they really, the art program really um, encouraged a lot of mediums on me um so i never really put myself in a box in that way uh so going into art school i didn't really know where i fit in because initially my my uh, my interest in design was because it was like the upcoming field of what if you're gonna go into the arts like you should go into this because it's like gonna get you a lot of money and shit mm-hmm. um, and that was my initial, but then I started falling in love with it. And I started f- falling in love with typography and like layout and um, learning all that shit. And then from there, I started integrating my photography because I always considered myself a photographer first and okay. image maker first. Um, and yeah, so th- right now I'm like multidisciplinary. Uh, photography has been like a fuck situation right now. I can't really go out and shoot the things that I want. Yeah. Um, so a lot of it's like learning uh, more about Illustrator, Photoshop. Uh, I'm gonna get into Cinema 4D, 3D. Yeah, art, I love C4D. You know? I love you know, C4D. I'm waiting. I'm waiting on my new Mac because my shit is like 2015. Can't handle shit. My Illustrator crashes every other like three minutes. Ugh. So we're gonna we're gonna get on Cinema 4D soon. Um, oh fuck yeah! I love C4D. Yeah, I fuck it. It's intimidating. That's the thing. I'm like really scared to get into it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I consider myself a photographer first, even now, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. What What are some of your other uh, main strengths, would you say? Ooh. So I, I worked in a startup called Hawthorne. Okay. Um, at the time, it's a uh, startup company focused on men's care. And I was... Dope. I was a... I started as an intern and I worked for the past two years really closely to um, one of my mentors and I love him so much, Philip Wong. Um, he he did shit for like HBA, Blood Orange, all Dope. Of that shit. Dope. Um, and he really taught me this like creative director, art director aspect of overseeing a whole project and not mm-hmm. necessarily playing one role, uh, which I always thought I was going to play and I really didn't think of projects as a whole, you know what I mean? Um, so right now I'm trying to like develop my, um, my skills as an art director, as a creative director, uh, event planner. We did a lot of events. Dude, yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like Welcome my to the fun internship. side. Yeah. My fucking two years at Hawthorne really taught me a lot about myself, but, um, love event planning. Uh, what else? Social media management, you know, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then we start talking about like marketing and advertising and thinking about that on a non-creative way. Um, what gets people attention? Um, how numbers work? Email design, yeah. all that shit. Um, but yeah, that's that's mostly my background right now. Dope. Um, more more of the corporate, not corporate, commercial advertising side but right right okay josh i wanted to ask you i I know we've talked about this before but how how soon did you know that you wanted to 
uh, you know, explore the arts. I know that you've you've kind of taken a different career path, but I know that it's still something that's extremely important to your life. So, like, how how did that come about for you? And how soon did you know that you wanted to go into the military? Yeah, got you. So my my path as an artist is really un- non traditional. Yeah, man. <laughs> uh, yeah, as, man. <laughs> like like many others. So I was I was shooting in high school. Um, I had this old D fifty one D fifty one hundred. Yikes! And Yikes. I would just go out by myself on New York City streets and just you know try to link up with people who were like minded and to learn from them because yeah I was I was just all of a sudden I just wanted to explore that even before Instagram even before all the social media hype I just wanted to explore it and you know finding out when Instagram first came up about the kind of diverse photo community out mm-hmm. here and you know going to a meet seeing you know how many different types of people or you know different pe- how people uh, di- different identifying people at these meets and seeing how they use their perspective to inform their work uh kind of inspired me and so like i've instead of shooting like teal and orange and like all, all the looking at all the hype shit i oh, wanted to oh my god oh my god Oh, yeah, damn. Super, super cliche. Um, but we all go through that phase. Wanted to, you know, actually get my own perspective integrated into that. Okay. And so, you know, multimedia, like my, my love for photography and image making, like, like Leo said, image maker first, but then it also bled into different fields such as uh, video editing, kind of digital manipulation, uh, stuff like creative coding, and just starting to use the mindset of an image maker and integrating that into our field, other fields. And I've used that mindset to integrate into my military side. Yeah, and it's yeah. the results are pretty pretty interesting when you have that Definitely. approach. And you Definitely. know, I think a lot. I think very different from a lot. A lot of my. Uh, Peers I can imagine in the army, yeah, yeah. and it 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 uh it stands out. Yeah, and so yeah, my my route's very very untraditional, and I, it's just approaching everything. Like you may have heard this from your design classes, Leo, but like approaching stuff with like a a certain mindset. Like there's a design mindset, and there's an image maker mindset, and personally, the image maker mindset is my mindset is. You know, focus on integrating and playing to your strengths and what you know and what you're steeped in, what your foundation is, just culturally, uh, experience-wise. And if you, you know, focus on the value of your, what you bring to the team uniquely and what is uniquely you, then, you know, have that inform whatever you do and you will you will go far. Yeah, I 100% agree. It's hard. It's hard to like get out of the hype mindset and like be be in touch with yourself. It was a sh- it was shit like that I had to go through too. Um but yeah, I totally agree. Yeah. Uh it's a necessary yeah. step. Definitely. Definitely. Uh my creative journey has been very strange as well, uh from modeling to photography and then thinking that I was going to be a photographer long term and then becoming a model long term and now i'm a fucking podcaster and event planner basically like that's that's really what i do i don't really model much anymore i don't really do photography much anymore so it's it's weird um but leo i wanted to ask you like how how do you plan on on using your learnings culturally and and in identification and whatnot how do you plan on learning these things uh using these things and applying them to your work moving forward Oh, girl, there's a couple of secrets that I can spill a bit on Oh, uh, secrets. I like secrets. Um, but there, there's been talks about an Asian-centric studio with me and a couple of friends from Parsons are going to open up. I don't want to spill too much. Ooh. But, I, but yeah, that. Um, but I also um, figured out through the viral process that these topics 
are important. Even hearing you guys say that you haven't seen this shit before is like reaffirming why I did this in the first place. So yeah, um, maybe building up a platform, you know, uh, you know, like a a single studio for myself about viral, um, getting people on there. Um, but ultimately, it's finding something that pushes this conversation for forward. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. If 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 that conversation is not present, we're not gonna do anything. Like we're not facilitating any change. We're 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 at a standstill, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. So again, it's like it also helped me align with like brands and studios that I'm looking into to work in house for. Um, and deciding where I can put my skills and my talents in rather than working for like something that contributes to beliefs and thoughts that doesn't align with mine. You know what right. I mean? And I think right. this is this is the time if if you had doubts about it, this is the time to start aligning that your creativity into places where it aligns with your beliefs. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's that's where I'm at right now. It's been hard, man. It's been yeah, hard with yeah. with I, everything. I but totally understand. Can I, can I ask you both of you guys? Um, what's your dream job? <laughs> um, I I I can't think of specifics, but I will say, kind of my foundation for a dream job. Do it. My foundation. Do it for a dream job is to, you know, be put into a position where I can inspire people that look like me or other marginalized voices and be, be kind of an upbringer. Uh, also an example for the next generation to come up to do better for themselves. Right. And whatever that takes, takes form in, like each, either one of my my sides as an artist, as a service member, uh, what have you, or an integration of both. Just being being someone who stewards the progress for the next generation, which I think is a duty that our generation has as well, to, you know, inspire change. Yeah. Word. Absolutely. Uh, I second what Josh said. Um <laughs> <laughs> No, it's it's seeing seeing all of these um, Filipino centered like studios and organizations. Barangay, for example, sorry, sorry, all of them. Um, it really put in perspective of where I see myself. What like ten, twenty years, like working on. Um, but yeah, again, just creating a community, building a community, and building a voice for us for us yeah definitely yeah you know when i was um josh you know about this when i was um so we have a website coming out finally a barangay website coming soon um we each have a profile on the website right and i was drafting up like my own because we all are putting artist statements there personal statements there of who we are and whatnot you know and i was typing mine up and i sent it as a draft to the whole to everybody in the group and Lancer pointed something out to me that I should definitely include the term community organizer. And when she said that, I think that really aligns to the work that I've done over the last couple of years. And I think that that's kind of who I am and, and what I am and what I'll continue to be. I think, I think community organization is a, is a big thing for me. And like as a dream job, not necessarily a dream job, but something that I would be interested in. I've told Cher this, that like, I would even want to pursue politics. You know, I wouldn't, I would, I would personally like to be in politics. I think that I could, I could do that. And yeah, it's weird to think about because that's totally not who I am right now, but it's something that I could eventually become if I continue working in community organizing. And the reason that I want to keep doing community organizing is because I want the community to strive, you know, and, and that's why we do the podcast. That's why we do our shows. That's why we do everything that we do. It's it's for the sake of community for marginalized creatives. And to me, that's a really strong platform. And it's something that needs to continue to be focused on um, across all medias. And 
yeah, it's only a matter of time before things start to pick up in the way that the whole community deserves. So you guys all said it. We both, we all said it. Like community organization is the thing. That's the key. That's really Tom the key. Tom for president, period. Tom for president, period. <laughs> maybe no, bring I, the people. Maybe man. in 30 years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll I, see. I commend you guys. I, I, I do. Like, Thank you. You guys really did some shit. Thank you. And same to you. Same to you. Same to you. Absolutely. You really did some shit as well. I'm excited for the rest of it to be published, and I'm excited for your book to come out. Absolutely. Uh, one last question. Was there anything, were there any uh, people you interviewed that really, like you felt really spoke to you for your project? Well, not you guys. Not you guys. <laughs> <laughs> aside, from, aside, aside from us. Aside from us. <laughs> um, no, everyone was incredible. Uh, you all freaking like taught me different facets of being a Filipino, you know? Yeah. Um, I think I can I can speak for everyone um, on there. Dom, you taught me about your pers- shifting perspective on masculinity in the modeling industry and how it, you don't have to like subscribe to this sort of look or this sort of um, being to be a Filipino. Um, it was really interesting talking to you about like the landscape of the beauty industry over there um, and what the framework of manlyhood is. Yeah. Um, that was fucking incredible. Josh. Well, thank you. Thank you. Josh, your leadership skills with flow. Creating Hell change, yeah. Creating change with um, these white institutions, you know? Um, damn, there's a lot of shit. <laughs> a lot of shit. There's Kino, who is a black trans um, individual who spoke to me about their, their perspective of um, their sexuality and their gender in Filipino culture and history. Um, Ryan Louie. A uh, gay designer, um, incredible. Talk to me about talk to me about the culture, the history, um, the word bakla and its origins. Mm-hmm. Um, then we had like Adrian, who is talking, who is mostly on like the conservative side of the spectrum. He is a a Christian, um, Christian centric Filipino guy. Uh, we met in church. So nice. um, <laughs> I definitely wanted him to be on that project to talk about um, his faith um, and the intersections of that with his Filipino-ness. But I mean, we can go on and on, but everyone, everyone on the project is incredible. For sure. Yeah, absolutely. I'm looking forward to more. Really, really looking forward to more. Yeah. So as we wrap this up, um, I want to ask you guys a few general questions. What have you been doing with your free time lately? You've been watching anything, listening to anything, reading anything, learning anything? What's new? I was on the Animal Crossing wave. Hell yeah. Um, <laughs> um, I think it sort of died down. I don't know why. But I've been watching a lot of reality TV just to <laughs> fucking live reality a bit. <laughs> like what? Like what? A real world. Um, okay. The challenge, um, you know, like the old MTV shit. Um, now I'm watching Insecure. Nice. Insecure is fucking amazing. I've just been on a fucking binge watching like, uh, what, what else did I watch? What else did I fucking watch? I watched Florida Project. <laughs> no? What A24? the hell is that? What is that? Oh shit, it's about... Oh, shit. oh A24. Yeah, yeah, all okay. A24 films. Florida Project is about like this, this Floridian family of like, a mother and a daughter and they live in like a motelly sort of thing and it's like about their like journeys oh i don't know how to describe <laughs> it but it's kind of good but it's really good i i highly recommend but okay yeah Watch nope josh josh what about you i know you've been taking some online classes how, what else is new yeah so aside from like the online classes i've been taking to kind of beef up my skill set before i you know get get super immersed in my my service work i have been gearing up to do a what, what it's called a four four forty eight for jay-z for charity Jay-Z. yeah so i've been 
is what that is is I'm gonna do four miles every four hours for forty eight hours, and oh, all the proceeds wait, what? that go to that what? are going to wait, charity. What? Yeah, oh, super different. No. <laughs> what? Yeah. So I've I've been conditioning myself, uh, working out every other day. Of course, the rest days are important, and just putting on the miles. And yesterday it was like hot and humid. I was running with a mask. Yo, that. Not that's, the vibe. That shit is hard, man. But um, that sounds yeah, terrible. I've been <laughs> for real. Yeah, it does. I've been on that Barangay Health Club, man. Yeah, I'm about to boy. tag you guys in uh, yeah, whenever I head out to uh, put the work no, in. But not. yeah, I've been. No, folk- you will not. <laughs> I've been. Of tag me, I'm tag me. Good. I need to get back oh, to it. I've been, I've been good. so lazy. <laughs> yeah, get get you guys, get you guys on the health yeah. club wave. We were doing yeah. that for a while, but Leo. Like we had a running like instagram stories chain whenever somebody in the group was was working out like we would post it on like our finstas and tag each other and be like have you worked out today <laughs> Bitch, no i'm getting those tags too like do the 15 push-ups and i just like just untag me please. oh no <laughs> <laughs> just don't just don't just don't do that just don't yo this has been a fantastic episode in my opinion this has been a very very good one leo tell the people where they can find you Oh, you can find me on Leodor Sanchez on Instagram or Leodor.com. Uh, anyone listening? Leodor.com? Right That's fire. Yeah, Leodor.com. I'm going right now. Better check that out. Uh, right now, I have a Pride is began as a riot shirt going yes. out. So if anyone wants to check that out, um, purchase, all proceeds are going to the Marsha P. Johnson Institute, Trevor Project, and Audrey Lord Project. Yes. All LGBTQ-centered organizations helping out LGBTQ youth and LGBTQ black trans community. So, yes. that's all I got. Yes, I love it. Thank you for fighting the good fight. Thank you for putting in that work. Josh, tell the people where they can find you, my friend. Yeah, you guys can find me on Castilian Air everywhere. Everywhere. That's all. Everywhere. Yeah. Everywhere. 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 Thank you, everybody, for tuning in to another episode of the Wrong Guy Podcast Network. Peace. Peace. Bye, guys. Bye, guys. Peace out.